You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Ever since Mountain Maid CBD founder Mike Passion came on the podcast way back in the beginning of season one, I've been lucky enough to call them a sponsor. And I say lucky because I love CBD. I preach about it to everybody. Mountain Maid is the best in the game. They've got lower than the federally compliant level of THC, so it ships nationwide. But they've got enough THC that you get the entourage effect. It's the best of both worlds. I love their boost. It's a 10 milligram chewable. It's orange sherbet and white tea leaf flavor. It's fantastic. I take a couple of them throughout the day and it's got me feeling pretty good. If you want to start the morning on a high note, they've got Build. Build is a 50 milligram quick release tablet to take it with your coffee. You get it going in the morning and you feel great throughout the day. At the end of the day, they've got Recover and Recover is a 25 milligram chewable. It's mango flavored. It's got magnolia. It'll leave you feeling pretty nice at the end of the day. My wife and I even picked up their dog chewables, which our dog loves. She's got anxiety. She's a rescue dog. And just one of Mountain Maid's chewables leaves her feeling pretty good. But here's the thing. Don't just take my word for it. I turn my wife on to Mountain Maid and she loves it. So let's hear what she has to say. Mountain Maid is the only CBD I have ever loved. The only CBD I've been willing to purchase over and over and over again. And I don't see that stopping. So go to mountainmadecbd.com, and when you check out, tell them Choose Your Struggle sent you. This week on the Choose Your Struggle podcast, it's health coach Jen Trepic. But first, we're going to need a bigger boat, Kid Mental. Things ain't always going to go our way, but you can always win when you just and some battles will be yesterday But today is for a new beginning just And don't worry about what they say Cause you can always win when you just And you can bounce back just as Come on and listen in to Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. So great to be back with y'all. I want to thank everyone. The last couple of weeks, the listens have been absolutely off the charts. I, you know, the, the second season started a little slowly. I think taking that time off was great for me and it was great to help highlight some other podcasts. Uh, but the listens sort of trickled down and then they've now re-exploded, which is wonderful. You know, I don't do this for the numbers but it does add a second level of validation after hearing from y'all, which is the number one. And seeing that makes me super happy. So thank you to all the listeners. I don't take this for granted, especially those of you who leave uh, reviews and ratings on things like Apple Podcasts. I hit 115 ratings uh, last week, and that makes me super happy. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. For everyone else, if you've been waiting, Now's a good time to do it. There's a link in the show notes to go to a review page, or if you listen on Apple, you know, click right there. It's it's on your screen. I really would appreciate it. Thank you. This week's episode is with a truly wonderful person. I met Jen Trepic at a networking event through a podcast uh, group. We did a virtual networking thing, and Jen is just a fantastic person. She is obviously on this week's episode of the podcast. I'm going on hers in a couple months to talk mental health and, and its impact on physical health and mindfulness and all that kind of stuff. So 
really appreciate getting to know Jen. She's um, <laughs> when I reach out to people to let them know that our conversation is going live. I always ask for their social media handles and and kind of hey, what do you want to you know be shouted out that kind of thing, right? Most of the time, people say, yeah, shout out this thing I'm working on or whatever the case is. Jen, <laughs> Jen was like, just tell people that I want to hear from them. Like, that's how much she cares about these issues, right? She truly wants people to reach out. Her thing, she's a health coach. She's the head, uh, the founder of the uh, Better Life Now LLC. You know, she is sort of the kind of person who's going to be like, I'm going to help you be healthier, but also fuck diet culture. So if you're the type of person who avoids talk about weight loss or, or health because of that, I get it. I'm the same way. That should tell you how amazing Jen is that I, I truly felt that she was uh, not that. Like, she's the exception that proves the rule. And she sort of tears into a lot of our ridiculous and, and harmful thinking around weight, around uh, health on this episode. I love her for that. And it's through personal experience. You'll hear it. I mean, this is not a thing she's decided to do. Like, she truly cares about this. So if you have questions, she's helped me. I'm not a person who spends a lot of time worrying about my weight or how I look. You know, I work hard to look the way I look. When people are like, well, you know, what if you eat healthier? What if you, I'm like, let me tell you something real quick. I work out four to five times a week. I don't eat terribly. Like, could I eat better? Of course I could. I'm a guy in 2021. I could eat better. You know, I could not drink, although I haven't drunk in the last nine days now because I'm on antibiotics. But the point is, I do eat all right. I work out a lot to look the way I look. And so for that reason, I'm not worried about, you know, <laughs> I wish I could look better because I already work hard just to look this way. That's the type of coach Jen is. If you want to be healthy, if you want to, you know, figure out some things your body may be missing because of the of the things that are in our food and all the sort of harmful additives. I was just reading in the New York Times this morning about how uh, sperm counts are like 60% lower than they were 60 or 70 years ago because of all of the things that, that are in our water, our food, and, and they're not intentional. It's like byproducts that are just killing our sperm. And this is a thing that scientists are really worried about. So the, that's the kind of thing Jen works on is like, how can we fix some of these issues through additives, through, through you know, better healthy practices? I love her for that. Um, and, and, and you'll hear her, you know, her, her, her thinking around diet culture. It, she doesn't shy away from it. It's very obvious in this episode. A couple things before we get into that uh, episode. Number one. My, I think this is the old, the, the last episode with the old mic. Uh, and I definitely know that next week I had the new mic. I was still learning how to use it. That's going to be a different problem. But this week is the old mic. And I honestly think, uh, if I haven't told you all this, I'm learning to juggle right now. And I honestly think I may have been practicing with the mic during this episode. I'm sorry. I've, I've cut out a lot of the really egregious sounds of like the mic falling over and shit. But uh, sorry about that. I already mentioned you should reach out to Jen. Those are my two big notes. The, the final one for, for me is that uh, I've had a couple people reach out recently with some really great ideas for the, for the podcast. I'm so appreciative of that. It's my favorite thing. When people I know tell me they listen, like it means a lot. And, and I don't take any listens for granted. I, I said that to someone yesterday 
who subscribed and sent me a picture like, hey, I've been sort of debating it, but I finally subscribed to your podcast. I love that. Thank you. I, it really means a lot to me. The, the ones that even go above and beyond are like, I don't know you, but you know, I love your podcast. Or, hey, we met 10 years ago. I've been listening to your podcast. I love it. Like, that's the thing that makes me super happy. So a couple of people have reached out with great ideas. I have some other things I want to sort of pick pe- people's brains on. If you have time to jump on a Zoom with me, a phone call, I will send you a magnet, a sticker, um, you know, a wristband. Uh, if you want a discount on the, the tank top instead, I'll give you that. I have some very particular questions I want to ask just three, five, you know, listeners or so. If you'd be down, reach out, reach out through social media, you know, jshiffman.com is my website. Reach out somewhere and say, hey, heard your call on the podcast. I'd love to help, whatever the case is. And let's set up a time. I would really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, last thing before we start, my wife and I are currently re-watching Game of Thrones. I actually had never watched Game of Thrones until about three months before the last season debuted. And my wife's a huge fan. And she said, please don't make me watch this season alone. So I binged seven seasons in like three months. I loved it. And, you know, in the in last season, we can, you know, we can forget that. But I love Game of Thrones. And so then I read all of the books and I cannot wait for, you know, George R. R. Martin to get on his game and release the next one. So I just so happen to get connected to a couple of incredible podcast hosts who have a really cool podcast called Late to the Game. Basically, the premise is this. One of the hosts is a huge Game of Thrones fan. The other host is a huge fantasy person but never read Game of Thrones, never watched Game of Thrones, has no knowledge of Game of Thrones. So imagine this, right? If you could go back and re-experience something, how cool would that be for the first time? Well, we can't do that, right? But what we can do is sort of live vicariously through other people who are. So this show is one host sort of guiding the other one through his first reading of Game of Thrones. And together they pick it apart. He asks a lot of really interesting questions. And it's a lot of fun. It's a very fun podcast. You know, they analyze deep. They go chapter by chapter and really get into the details of this incredible story. If you like Game of Thrones, if you like shows that really pick apart things and and try to understand it and explain it, you're going to love Late to the Game. I, 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 I just cannot sing their praises enough. As they say, prepare yourselves for banter is coming. So check out Late to the Game and, uh, you know, thank me later. Without further ado, here is this week's episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast with Jen Trepic. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge sports fan. I start every morning by listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast and I never miss a Reds game. So when it's time for me to grab a gift for the sports fan in my life, I check out Fanatics. They have everything you need from the best teams, the favorite players, and all the stuff is good. As a memorabilia and autographs collector, I trust Fanatics. But here's the best part. Fanatics always has some kind of discount going on. From free shipping to 50 to 70% off some items, you're going to get a great deal every time at Fanatics. So check them out using the link in the show notes or from my podcast website and help the podcast in the process. Check them out today. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, 
please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jen Trepic. I am a health coach, also a podcaster. My podcast is called Salad with a Side of Fries. And I also work with health professionals to implement wellness into their practices. You know, the bigger mission of everything I do is really about changing the state of healthcare. And I think, you know, it's really about understanding what wellness is and what true wellness is. And for all of us, definitely over this last year, I think we've learned you know, wellness is more than showing up to our doctor once a year. So very quickly for the for the listeners, you and I got connected. We were both in a, a networking event and um, we just started chatting and, and that event was super helpful. I mean, we met a lot of great people there. And because of that, I got to learn about your show, which I now listen to religiously and I love. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, it really shows that even during this time of lockdown, if, if you're, you know, sort of putting yourself out there and doing the work, you know, good things can happen. Obviously this is, this is evidence of that. A thousand percent. But, you know, t- talk to us about, you know, everybody who does this line of work has a reason why they do this line of work, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, I'm going to be a health coach, you know? So, so what was it that motivated you? What, what got you here? Yeah, for sure. So my, my specialty is weight management and that's because, so growing up, I was a dancer and I was probably more aware of my body than the average person. But because I danced six days a week or whatever, I never really had to think about, you know, all the things I ate when I was hungry. I didn't, when I wasn't, I, you know, I was always a good eater. Like I ate vegetables and the rest of my family though, like I joke that I was the skinny one in a family of dieters. Fast forward, I stopped dancing because college and whatever, and genetics are real. (laughs) and I started to gain weight. And so I was like, okay, I know what to do. Like I watched my family do this my whole life. And I started every diet under the sun, the whole yo-yo thing, like gained and lost, gained and lost. There were times in my life where I felt like I would breathe and gain weight, you know? And I remember vividly like being at the store with my mom and my sister trying to buy clothes that fit me and literally breaking down into tears in the dressing room because I hated the way I looked in clothes and then to see what size they were when they actually fit, it was all, and that was like night and day compared to what I had growing up where I would go shopping with my mom, everything I put on looked good and I would have to sit there and weed out and pick the couple things that I wanted to get. You know, so I had this whole saga, I call it, right? I think the word journey doesn't do it justice. And when I learned about the program that I now teach, at first I was like, no, 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 that's okay. Like I've got my thing, right? And then meanwhile, I'm like on this roller coaster going up and down and craziness. But so I saw people who were following this program and I noticed two things. One was that they were keeping the weight off. And the other thing was this woman's telling her story of losing 140 or 150 pounds. And everything she said after that sounded like the teacher and Charlie Brown. Like I heard no words. I was literally just staring at her and in my own head because I could not see where on her body 10 pounds could have been, let alone the equivalent of what she's saying is like another human attached to her. 
you know, and I had this moment with myself, you know, like the Jewish girl had a come to Jesus moment of, you know, they know something you don't know, like get out of your own way and see what's happening here. And so I followed the program with a coach and it completely changed my life. It is the only thing that's allowed me to say I've kicked my food issues. And from then on, I set out on a mission to pay it forward because I was like, how is it possible that this is not what we were taught? And it changed everything for me. And so it became a mission and a passion to help people help themselves. And that was sort of simultaneous to working full time and knowing that I just couldn't work for somebody else for the rest of my life. You know, so I started doing the health stuff on the side and, you know, fast forward, here we are. That's my full-time business and well, one of my full-time businesses and the podcast is Salad with a Side of Fries and, you know, it's changing people's lives every day. So thank you for that story. And I think what's so, uh, you know, my, my, my listeners will know this. You're the first sort of uh, full, you know, eating and, and body health person that's been on the show because I sort of abhor the, the traditional, you know, don't eat this so you can look at it in a bikini and all that Ugh. sort of bullshit, right? And, and so I think it says a lot that you're on here because that's not at all your thing. And so your, your, your path to get there, you know, is, is what we just heard. But now as your show title so accurately, you know, uh, shows, that's not your deal. It's not don't eat anything and, and fast and, and whatever, starve yourself. Your show is right. called Salad with a Side of Fries for a reason. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing. I think like all of that other stuff, right? The social media, you know, diet culture of it's all just to look good in a bikini. Like, guess what? It's not. There are real implications of this and that's not required to be healthy. And I think the other thing which you and I talk about, and I'm sure we'll get there in this conversation is like just physical health, mental health, energy, well-being, all, it's so intrinsically tied together. And we all look at each thing in isolation. And that's one of the major problems with our medical system um, and for all of us every day, really. Yeah, so, you know, the second half of this, I definitely want to talk about the show, but but let's let's focus on that for yeah. a second now because, you know, you sort of, uh, your show has a lot of great tips in it. And, and you're right, you don't, none of this is, and when you're recommending things to people or we're talking about subjects, very rarely is it like, I'm going to focus on this thing alone. Like you don't do things in a vacuum. Right, because the body, nothing in the body exists in isolation, right? Everything is connected. So even when we look at disease states, right? Like you get a diagnosis. Well, you maybe were diagnosed with heart disease. It doesn't mean that your liver and your kidneys are fine. It, we're, we get a diagnosis based on the organ system that failed first. And that could be anywhere in the body, but it doesn't mean that everything else is fine because everything is connected. So, and, 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 you know, we, we hear that's more from uh, sort of, you know, perfect examples. I've worked with a, a personal trainer or, or a coach who, who really helped me understand that the reason I was feeling pain in my lower back, it's because my legs were too tight and all of that. But, but you're right. Those people are fewer and far between as someone who does this, 
sort of full time, you know, is this something you're seeing more of or, or, or is that sort of old school style of thinking, I focus on this and this only, is that still pervasive? We're making progress, right? Like you'll see more of lifestyle medicine coming into play. That's more of the philosophy of things are connected and it starts with our everyday choices, right? So we're making progress, but a lot of our doctors who are making a primary, like the majority of their income from health insurance are still in the older medicine model, which is funny because that's actually newer medicine because the real old medicine, like Eastern medicine, as yeah. we all know it, right, is very much about root cause. Everything is connected. You know, I said this on an episode a couple weeks ago, um, and that is, you know, Western medicine, our doctors, our systems, our diagnoses, what's considered normal is based on a comparison to each other. Mm -hmm. So if most people have blood pressure in this range, they consider that normal. Eastern medicine compares us to biology and how the body was designed to function. And so in that case, just because everybody's in this range doesn't mean that everybody is healthy and that's normal. It means that we're all doing things that are pushing us to this limit that's not a healthful place to be. And that's such an important point to make because, you know, there, there was, uh, this was sort of a, a topic of conversation for the last couple of years when people started really challenging this idea of the BMI because we were looking and seeing that so many people of color were being called obese. And, and it was because they were being compared to this sort of uh, idea of what healthy was that was not, that it was a very sort of, uh, you know, Eastern European style of body, and, and and there's been a lot of challenges around that. It, it, talking about this and revisiting a lot of these ideas is something that gets the, the medical community gets very defensive on, but needs to happen in a lot of places. Yeah, it's interesting. So I did a whole episode called BMI's BS because <laughs> it is right. Like, and in preparing for that, I was really curious about like, where did this even come from? Like, how did this become the barometer, right? And in this moment, I can't remember the guy's name who discovered it or created it, but it was actually designed to look at populations over time, not to look at individuals. And then it was adopted by our medical system to look at individuals because it made it easier for our health professionals to have conversations with their patients. So there's like 6,500 things that are wrong with that, <laughs> right? First of all, just inherently BMI based on height and weight and a really good calculator will ask your age, you know, but the weight, the total number on the scale includes your organs, your bones, your muscle, your fat, your skin, like all of these things. And so what really is an indicator of health is how much fat is on our body. So I always say to people, measure body fat percentage, not BMI, because BMI is bullshit, um, because it's our body composition that's going to determine our health outcomes. And like, you're right, the inherent bias that's in that is so, creates something that is so flawed. And when you look at 
like where it came from. It was never designed for the use of this. And the fact that we're choosing to make something easier on our doctors to have a conversation instead of doing what's right by the patient is a major problem. So you you sort of raise another question I had in that that uh, expertly put answer, which is it seems like every other day we're seeing articles and and stories about how we don't, you know, we've been talking about fat wrong for years and all this. So, so is, I guess what I'm asking is, is, as someone who doesn't understand this stuff at all, is measuring fat really the best way if, or, or do we still have an incorrect understanding of what fat is on our bodies? Yeah, we have a very severe misunderstanding of what fat is on our bodies compared to the fat that we eat. Because okay. it is not a direct connection between fat we eat and fat on our body. So, so yeah, talk talk about that because that's fascinating. In, yeah. So in fact, fat on our body is connected more to our blood sugar, right? If we're storing fat or burning fat is a function of our blood sugar levels. We want to keep our blood sugar levels even and in a middle range so that we're never storing fat. And what's happened with fat getting such a... Um, like the fat we eat getting such a bad reputation is that people are pulling it out of their nutrition. Well, our body needs fat. Like, first of all, our body needs fat on it to stay warm and to insulate our organs and all of these things. So that if somebody punches you, you don't die instantly. Right? Like if we were, you know, think back to like hunter gatherers, like if you were being chased by a lion and you fell, you wouldn't die because a twig punk, you know, like poked you in the side, like you need the fat there. And then fat in our nutrition, it's our skin, our hair, our nails, our brain. Every cell in our body has a fatty layer to protect it as well. So fat is inherently important. What happened with fat getting a bad reputation has meant that we're all unnecessarily removing fat from our nutrition. And again, like everything, it's not so simple as yes or no, black or white, fat or no fat, because it's what type of fat and the quality of the fat that's really important. So super quick, three kinds of fat, saturated, unsaturated, and trans fats. Saturated fats are a solid at room temperature. So think like the marbling in meat you leave the steak out on the, on the counter, it's room temperature, that marbling doesn't melt, right? Unsaturated fats are a liquid at room temperature. So think your oils, right? Olive oil, um, safflower, sunflower oil, avocado oil, and avocado and nuts have unsaturated fat as well. Trans fats were at one time, these are entirely man-made, like new to nature molecules. They, they take a liquid fat, typically like a vegetable oil, pump it full of hydrogen to make it a solid at room temperature. And that is a trans fat. And you'll typically find it in processed foods because it makes them last longer. It makes sure that the, the oil doesn't separate from the rest of the food. So what really, our body needs saturated and unsaturated fat unsaturated in higher quantities, saturated in low quantities, nobody on the planet needs trans fats, <laughs> right? So we want to avoid the trans fats altogether. 
saturated fats we will get naturally especially if you eat animal protein you don't have to worry about it do not go out of your way it'll be there you'll be fine it's the unsaturated fats that we actually have to go out of our way now to make sure that we get and in particular you guys have probably heard the phrase essential fatty acids anytime you hear the word essential with anything nutrition it means that your body can't make it which means you need to eat it or you need to take it so essential fatty acids are primarily the omega-3s that we really need. And in particular, the types of omega-3s, DHA and EPA, are the ones that you really want. And our brain is made up mostly of DHA. So when we think about the snowball effect of not getting quality fat, not getting enough of the essential fats, right? And then the confusion around omega-3s, and what kind of omega-3 is and getting DHA, we have a snowball effect to all these areas of our health. So you mentioned a really important point in there, and that is that our brains, a lot of what we eat impacts what's going on in our head. So why is it that when we're talking about issues of mental health and, and mental illness, rarely will someone say, well, let's talk about you know, what you're putting in your body? Honestly, it's what our medical system taught or doesn't teach, really. Um, one of my business partners who's down in the D.C., Maryland, like Virginia area, she was working with a new doctor in their, you know, working with a practice, implementing wellness programs there. And one of the doctors in the practice is on the younger side. He graduated, you know, five years ago, maybe now, six or something. And he said that in all of med school, they had two hours of nutrition and not two credits, like legitimately two hours on a Tuesday night. And that's a problem. Like our system is not teaching those connections in a way that allows us or our doctors to put it into practice. Yeah, that reminds me of, I had a conversation a couple of years ago with a guy, again, very recently out of med school who told me that uh, he got a, a morning in his entire three years on substance misuse. That was it, just a, just a morning. And, and so he was uh, creating a new program for this, this university to specifically teach uh, a class on substance misuse, because obviously our medical uh, facilities have been falling short on this for a long time. And it's funny you bring that up, actually. I'm working on a new company that looks at um, going upstream of substance misuse to help with lifestyle interventions for pain. So that was actually going to be my next question is in, on all of this stuff, because it's all it not, like you were saying earlier, none of it happens in a vacuum, right? Are yeah. you seeing uh, you know, changes on this? And it sounds like the answer is yes. Yeah, changes are happening, but it happens more on an individual level for someone to say to their health professional, I want to take a more holistic approach. It's up to the patient to, in these days, almost question their doctor and push back and say, wait, what if I do this? What if I look at, you know, especially when it comes to pain, right? Like the opioid crisis, a lot of that started with you know, we don't know what to do for your pain. Here's a painkiller. Um, and, you know, what if we could say, okay, let's try all of these modalities, both those that are physical, 
mental, nutritional, right? Like all of these different modalities to come at this challenge, right? This dis-ease in the body from a bunch of different ways and heal it rather than covering it up. So it sounds like what you're saying is that we as patients need to be better advocates for ourselves, which is yes. sort of a, a, a pro and a con, right? Because it means that, yes, we should feel empowered to question and to, to, to be more in charge of our own uh, treatment. But at the same time, we know that often, you know, studies have shown that that leads to doctors giving you less uh, quality care. And especially in some communities, specifically communities of color, that leads to them being labeled as problem patients, and then they don't get procedures and stuff. It's problem patients, or it's, you know, a 1% solution, because it requires a lot of money to be able to do it. Um, so yes, right now, I will say, so the CDC has guidelines that before prescribing an opiate, a doctor should document alternative therapies attempted, but it's up to each state to enforce those CDC guidelines. So it becomes this whole snowball. So it's like everybody needs to get together or as we are right now, it's a patient by patient, community by community issue. And there, that inherently has so many challenges. Well, uh, before we switch to talking about the podcast, let's take a, a break and say, you know, tell the people where they can find you, where, where they can follow you online, where they can find the podcast, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the podcast is Salad with a Side of Fries. Wherever you are listening now, you will find it, most likely. Uh, you can also Instagram at Jen Trepek, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. And you could also look for Salad with a Side of Fries pod on Instagram. Um, that'll just let you know about new episodes. But for all this kind of juicy, good stuff, it's more on my personal page. And, you know, we're on all the platforms at Jen Trepek. If you listen to the podcast, and of course you do because you're hearing this right now, you know that I always ask my guests what their preferred method of self-care is. Well, here's my answer, a good cup of coffee. This year has truly made me appreciate the little things that make my life better, and a good cup of coffee goes a long way. That's why I switched to Four Sigmatic and I haven't gone back. They use mushrooms in their beans, and it gives me a kick in the morning that I didn't know I needed before, and now I miss if I have anything other than Four Sigmatic. Once you give them a try, trust me, you're not going to want to go back. So go check out the link in my show notes or on my podcast website and use the code ChooseYourStruggle, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off. Check out Four Sigmatic today. Nobody knows your mission better than you, but sometimes you need someone to help you move the ball downfield. Whether by telling your story a little bit better, creating a fundraising strategy, engaging stakeholders, or improving culture. That's where I come in. I'll bring a combined decade's worth of experience in nonprofits, consulting, and politics to help your organization reach the next level. I practice an internal growth model, which means I work with your team to make strategic improvements using your existing strengths. So if you're ready to take that next step, reach out. You can find me at my website, jshiftman.com, and I can't wait to hear from you. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn, and choose your struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
So let's talk about the the podcast, right? It's it's a very clever, very original name. <laughs> talk you. about talk about what you know starting it was like, and and a little bit about uh, where where the name came from. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, the name came from. It's actually my default order. Like generally, and my friends all know it, like generally that's what I order. And I was originally going to call the podcast French fries and cookie dough, because those are things that I will absolutely never give up, right? Like a life without those, I don't know, I'm iffy. So I, you know, was working on the podcast, but French fries and cookie dough didn't really explain or let somebody know what we would be talking about. And I worked with somebody to teach me how to do this. And he and I had a meeting and it was like, okay, I, I think we were meeting before I was going to eat. And I was like, I gotta go get some French fries, you know, like salad and fries, that's what I gotta get. And he was like, um, hello. And I was like, yeah, you're right, okay. <laughs> so that was really what it was. And so the podcast started about 12 years into my coaching practice. So I started working with clients at the end, like the end of 2007, like I said, on the side of my full-time job. And I did both. I worked full-time and had my wellness business on the side till July of 2019. So I knew I was going to be leaving my full-time job. I'd gotten into listening to podcasts. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I could do this, you know? <laughs> and then, but it was like, I could really do a podcast on a million different topics, right? Like I'm the person who can talk to a doorknob. So I was sort of brainstorming like what I was going to do a podcast about. And I was out to dinner with a girlfriend and she was, she has two kids, a boy and a girl. And she was reading a book about brain development and how that's different, you know, for each of them through the years. And there was some stuff that she was saying that I knew, you know, from the work that I do. And she made a comment to me, which was, I feel like I should do your program so that I learn this stuff for my kids. Like I've never really had an issue, but I also don't necessarily know what to do for them. And it really hit me that there are a ton of people out there. We all want this information. We're all being bombarded with the bullshit from social media and the news and all this other stuff. And we're all sitting here going, where's the truth? Like, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, this is the podcast. The podcast is the conversations that we're having with our friends over a drink that you hear in the locker room at the gym. You know, we used to go to a gym like, the, you know, I tried this. Have you, I heard someone's doing this. Do you know what, do you know what that is? Like, does it work? Oh, you look great. What are you doing? All of those kinds of conversations and bringing in in a really approachable way, like science and fact, so that we have, my big thing is to have a foundation of actual knowledge and science from which we can then evaluate all the things that we hear in the news or see on social media so that we're not running around like a chicken with our head cut off. So you start this podcast and, and for many listeners know, because I've talked about this before, you know, podcasting is not easy. It's, it's a difficult thing to do, but, but you, you get, you have these little moments that remind you why it's important and why you want to keep going. So, you know, 
I think for me, at least a lot of those have been from people who probably aren't in a position to hire me as a coach or anything, this yes. kind of stuff, but, but they're getting something out of this, you know, talk a little bit, I guess I know what that is like from a mental health and substance misuse standpoint, but you know, from a physical health standpoint, is it people going, God, I didn't know that I shouldn't eat this or, or that I could also eat this or what, what does that look like? It's both, right? It's sometimes somebody will say, just thank you for sharing that story. Like it helps people feel like there's nothing wrong with them. I think that's the biggest thing is like, whether it's mental health or physical health, all these things and frameworks and all this stuff that we've been told makes us feel like something's wrong or that we're bad or we're wrong or we've failed. Like, especially in the diet world, like I say all the time, like you haven't failed. The diets have failed you. And it's, I think the biggest thing I hear is how liberating that is, that it's like a weight lifted and that allows people to then start moving forward. And so, and it shifts everything, you know, for me, even like when I first learned this stuff, relearning everything about how our body processes food and what nutrition is and how foods impact our body and all that kind of stuff allowed me to shift food decisions from being emotional to intellectual. And I see it over and over with people, whether it's something we talk about on the podcast where they're like, oh my God, no wonder why I crave that at that time. I'm not crazy. You know, it's so if I do this, I won't get that craving. I don't have to use sheer will and force every time I get a craving. And so I think there's like a liberating thing and I hear it from people all the time. It's on the one hand, it's like, oh my God, thank you. I think this is what I need to do. And on the other side, it's also like, there's nothing wrong. I can do this and I can keep going and it's okay for me to eat these things. Yeah. So that's such a big, important piece because, you know, the, the, a lot of this show talks about the, the subject of stigma and, and, and especially in mental health and substance misuse, but there's stigma in a lot of things. And one of the ones that we see the most is stigma about being quote unquote overweight. Yeah. So, you know, I've had people talk about this, this idea that, okay, well, if you just lose 10 pounds and you'll be more accepted, but then you lose those 10 pounds and okay, there's another benchmark, another one. Right. And, and so, you know, how much of, of that is, is just, do we need to, to normalize being, you know, accepting yourself for what you look like, or, or I, I guess, what, how do you address stigma on your show? So the whole thing, so I personally address it by focusing on health rather than what we look like. So first of all, like prejudice against those who are overweight, is the most socially acceptable form of discrimination there is. And nobody talks about it and we don't talk about it enough. And Wonderful it, is, point. it is everywhere. Yeah. So the way I focus on it is by focusing on health and helping people realize that health is not a single body type. It is not a single number on the scale. It is not anything that someone can see from the outside. And when we start to focus on health and we look at our energy and how we sleep and how we feel about ourselves, a lot of the things that we think will happen when we lose the weight start to happen now. So if you, you may not have an answer for this, but is, is the reason is one of the reasons why we, um, 
sort of just look at the, the outside to assume the inside. Yes, a lot of that is because for a long time, thin has been pretty, it, quote unquote. Obviously, I'm not saying that's actually true. I'm saying that that's our, our standard. But how much of that is just straight up laziness about people going, oh, well, if you're fat on the outside, you must be unhealthy. Uh, God, I don't know. I think I th it's such a combination, right? Because if you go back like, you know, eras ago, somebody who was thicker was the standard of beauty. So I think a lot of that is the fashion industry and the media and all of those kinds of things. And then it's interesting to me that you use the word lazy because I think that's one of the biggest words that people associate with somebody who they view as overweight. And I don't know what the answer is to that. I mean, I think it's all of us getting facts and information around this and recognizing that a lot of the stuff that we've been told is what is causing all of the problems. Yeah, and that's a really incredible point. It's something that I talk about a lot when it comes to, to uh, drug use and policy, recognizing you know, when you get literally down to the base of where these laws came from, so many of them are built on lies, they're built on racism, they're built on sexism, and they, in, in a lot of cultures, they, these ideas don't exist. And that is, is very similar. Right. And our nutrition laws in particular yeah. are based on economics. And a lot of times when I say that, people are mean, oh, yeah, the diet industry, they want to make a billion dollars. No, <laughs> that old food pyramid that we grew up with, where grains were at the bottom and that's what we're supposed to eat. No one on this planet has a grain deficiency. Right. And for a lot of our nutrients, grains are an inefficient source. Like we have to eat a lot of grain to get sufficient nutrition. So it was based on getting us to eat what we grow in this country, economics, not based on nutrition, right? Dairy. One of my mentors suggests if you're going to eat dairy, it's three servings a week. We've been told to eat two to three a day. Where does that come from, right? Our, our dairy lobbyists, our sugar lobbyists, right? Our, the grain lobbyists, like the corn farmers, like I love all these people, don't get me wrong, but our policy mm -hmm. is clouded by the economics of the food industry. And that is causing major problems for our health. Yeah, and again, incredibly important point because we we like to assume that a lot of these policies come from you know well our our elected leaders know best and that's never the case. Science rarely has a hand in a lot of these policies, and and the one that I go back to a lot in, in this arena is I was at a conference a couple of years ago where where one of the presenters was talking about how every generation we look back at the one before us and go god i can't believe they did x and you know you, you think about our grandparents generation who everyone smoked and and on and on and and so i raised my hand i said okay what is it we're doing now and the guy without even hesitation just said sugar he said yes. the level that we eat it it is straight up poison and it's in everything i i have chills as you say that um it is fact when you know Whenever somebody has health challenges, the first thing we need to look at is sugar. And by the way, let me back up to say, it's okay to eat a banana, right? Like it's odds are 
bananas aren't how we got here. And then, and that's sort of where, right? Like we get this one-sided input of, okay, I have to do something about my sugar. And then we go to the diet industry where they're like, don't eat bananas. (laughs) You know, like instead eat our diet food that has fake sugar and actually, right? The sugar things have extra fat. The fat-free things have extra sugar. Like, let's just talk about a vegetable and some fruit. And by the way, let's eat actual fruit instead of fruit juice. We grew up, do you remember the cereal commercials when we were kids? And it was like the balanced breakfast was cereal, toast, and a glass of juice. That is a sugar bomb followed by a sugar bomb with a sugar bomb. No wonder we have a problem, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Oh, man. I I think that, you know... It's so important in a lot of these industries to to try to dig down to where these ideas come from. And when you do that, rarely do they stand up to, to the pressure. Yeah, yeah. And it's a daunting task to try to tackle. Like, I think it comes down to the decisions that we all make every single day, right? So whether it's the decision to say something to our doctor and be like, hey, what would be a nutraceutical intervention here? And they may not know, and you might have to go elsewhere to find that answer, right? Um, It comes down to where am I going to spend my money? Because if we all stop buying the packaged stuff on the shelves that's full of sugar and trans fats and all the things that are killing us, they will stop making it. But we keep buying it. What's so hard is you're 100% right. And then all of us get to the end of our day and it's like, I could spend an hour and a half cooking something healthy and, and you know, authentic or 10 minutes popping this thing in the microwave and, and I'm done, you know? Okay, so can I give you a 15 minute 100%, meal? yes, okay. please. So first of all, I am the queen of, I don't cook, I make food. <laughs> in my head, cooking requires an hour and a half, a whole bunch of pots and pans, 75 ingredients, like too much for me right? But I will make food. Single cookie sheet. I also live by myself. So if you live with other people and you're cooking for more than one person, you might need two cookie sheets, but cookie sheet, whatever vegetables I have, I I like variety. So I'll chop up a bit of a couple different types of vegetables, right? A little bit of olive oil, pepper. I'm not big on salt. So just a little bit of salt. That's more because my taste buds are like sensitive to salt. Um, Put those on a cookie sheet. In the center of the cookie sheet, I will put a piece of fish. And I used to not cook fish at home. Um, Okay, I'm going to throw this out there. If you want a link to the most incredible frozen fish delivery, it this fish does not smell. It is insane. Send me a message. I'll send you a link. Anyway. That was the most Jewish thing that's ever happened on this podcast. I swear it's good. It doesn't smell. I promise. (laughs) Like, because I used to never cook fish at home for that reason. Anyway, piece of fish. (laughs) Sometimes cod, sometimes like a white fish, sometimes like a, I don't even know what it's called. Um, Sometimes salmon, whatever. Piece of fish in the middle. Couple tablespoons, like take some marinara sauce, cover the piece of fish in marinara sauce or cover the piece of fish in Dijon. Dijon mustard or lemon slices or whatever, little olive oil, cover it in whatever thing you think tastes good in the oven at 400 to 425 for like 10 to 12 minutes, depending on, you know, your piece of fish, take it out of the oven. And by the way, I cook it on like parchment or foil. 
so I don't even have to clean anything. And then take the piece of fish, put it on the plate, pick up the parchment or the foil and dump all the vegetables into the bowl, right? Like who needs spoons? Just funnel it right onto the plate or the bowl and dinner in 15 minutes. Oh man, I love it. That's that's wonderful. I um, in, in our house, my wife used to do a lot of the cooking and she asked me last year for 2020, one of our sort of goals was for me to do more. And so I've been quickly learning things I can do and slow cooker and stuff like that. I'm gonna try this. This is gonna be my next my next uh, recipe. Okay, you have to send me pictures and let me know how 100%. it goes. 100%. Okay. So, so I was actually gonna ask you, that's funny. I wasn't gonna ask for a recipe. I was gonna ask you what, if you could give one tip, right? We talked about how sugar's killing us and all this. If you, if person's listening and they're like, God, this is daunting. Tell me one tip where I can start today to make a difference in my life. What what do you think is just the easiest, not even the easiest, but the thing that we can do that would make the most difference without completely overhauling our, our diet? Okay, so I have to give you two. Great. But first one, fuck calories in, calories out. It's bullshit. Ignore it. That's wrong. Instead, think quality in, quality out, get up and move more. Quality in, quality out, get up and move more, right? You don't want to feel shitty, don't eat shitty, right? <laughs> the energy we bring to life each day enters the body through nutrition, right? If you're feeling sluggish, eat something that gives your body nutrition that it knows what to do with and move your body every day, physical health, mental health, move your body. Um, and then the second piece, when people are like, okay, so quality, what does that look like? If you're taking notes, write this one down too. Protein and fiber at every meal makes your moving fat no big deal. Protein and fiber at every meal makes your moving fat no big deal. Protein is clean, lean protein. Chicken, fish, lean cuts of, you know, red meat on occasion, uh, or go plant-based, right? Whatever, whatever kind of protein you want. Fiber is vegetables and sometimes fruit. If you tackle those in your day first, you will be infinitely better than if you start your day with grains or focus every meal around dairy and grains and all the things that we feel like. Well, wonderful tips. Uh, that's definitely, I mean, it's so simple and yet it's something we don't do enough of. Right. Well, you and I could talk this for a long time, <laughs> um, and I'm very conscious of both of our, our times. So before we go into the final questions, I, I always ask, please, one more time, tell people where they can find you, find the podcast and all the good stuff. Yeah. So the podcast, Salad with a Side of Fries, on your favorite listening platform, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the places, at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. And please send me a message. I want to know, like... What's interesting to you? What sticks out to you from, you know, our conversation today? Or, you know, if you have a listen to salad with a side of fries too. Awesome. So I always finish with the same two questions. Number one, okay. you kind of already touched on this with, you know, get up and move and all that, but what are your self-care habits? This list is long. I will tell you eating nutrition and in particular breakfast, I breakfast or something in your system within an hour of waking up. I take vitamins every single day. Our food supply sort of sucks. We have to fill in the gaps where our nutrition falls short. Vitamins, sleep, 
And I admittedly, I'm not good about it. I go to bed later than I need to. Sometimes I have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning, but sleep, I focus on every single day. I work out every day. And some people tell you, don't work out every day. It's too much. Like I have to move more for the mental side of it and managing stress and having energy and feeling good than the weight thing. And the more that you can separate the fitness from the weight, the better off you'll be in the long run. Meditation doesn't have to be long, a couple minutes, meditate. That might even just be like a couple deep breaths before you eat, but some sort of meditation practice. Uh, every night before I go to bed, I have a gratitude journal on my nightstand. I write down five things from the day that I'm grateful for. You know, it helps, especially when my brain is going, it shifts what my brain is focusing on so that I can go to sleep. Um, those are probably the biggest ones that stick out to me in this moment. Awesome. Well, final final question is we've spent the last now almost almost an hour listening to all the amazing stuff you're doing, why we all should be following you and listening to the salad, salad with the side of fries. But who do you follow? Who's influential to you? What are you reading, listening to, watching, all that kind of stuff? Um, so I'm a TV junkie and admittedly, I'm a sucker for true crime. So, you know, <laughs> um I read a lot of business and leadership books, right? I read and I listen to books, P.S. Um, I just re-listened to the book Essentialism. Highly recommend it. You know, do more by doing less. It is amazing. So I do a lot of like self-improvement kinds of things. Um, on my podcast list, there have been a lot of political podcasts <laughs> lately. Um but I love, you know, hearing people who interview authors and people who have written books and people hearing people's stories. I totally love, um, choose your struggle, of course. Right. Thank you. Of course. Um, and you know, some of my mentors you've probably never even heard of, but, um, you know, Dr. Deidre Mason, Dr. Sherry Lieberman, um, Dr. Mark Lang, um, Dr. Mark Hyman, you probably heard of him. You know, there are a bunch, Dr. Nancy Miller-Ely used to work for the FDA and is now, she's the one who actually was working with that doctor in Maryland. I would just say, you know, and on social media, I have to tell you, like I list, I look at a lot of nutrition accounts because I'm curious more than because I follow what they're doing. I'm hypersensitive and hyper aware of the accounts where I actually pay attention to what they're sharing. And I think especially for our energy and our mental health and our physical health, be super um, discerning about what we let in and what we pay attention to. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been great. Jay, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. I always love chatting with you. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that it's not the only thing I do. Choose Your Struggle is an entire brand. I speak, I coach and consult. I have rock bottom storytellers. There's a lot going on. And sometimes I get to a project and I go, man, I just, I can't do all of this myself. So I turn to Fiverr. It's so easy to find incredible professionals who can help me out. I've hired people to help with marketing, help with SEO, help with my website, so much great stuff all on Fiverr. I even found Kid Mental, who did the incredible theme song on Fiverr. 
So if you have a project that you need some help on, go check out Fiverr. Use the link in the show notes or my podcast website and you'll help the podcast in the process. Check them out today. Subscribe to my Patreon for behind-the-scenes looks at the podcast, sneak peeks, and bonus data. You'll also get a discount on Choose Your Struggle merch. Find it at patreon.com slash chooseyourstruggle. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you being here. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jen. I, as I said on the way in, find her to be delightful and wonderful and doing such incredible work. I'm so thankful that we got connected and that she's given me so many good tips already. So I really hope you enjoyed that. We are going to do your card now, obviously brought to you by Blurt, as always. You hear me opening them. It's from the 54 Ways to Ease the Anxious Mind Pack, um, just because there's a lot going on you know, with everything in Texas. And it just it's been a crazy couple of weeks, although, to be honest, it's been a crazy couple of years. And, you know, I think we all could use good tips about how to ease the anxious mind. So <laughs> that's the motivation behind this. All right. Well, OK, this is a, this is a good one. Um, <laughs> so recently, I think I told you all about this, but I have a course up on Listenable. It'll be debuting in March. If Listenable is a platform you use, I would suggest checking it out. If not, uh, don't worry about it. But um, if you're looking for a new way to learn, Listenable is audio courses. Mine is called Mindfulness Beyond Meditation, Ways to Practice Mindfulness that Aren't Meditation Practices. So this is a really good one. Um, this is actually one of the lessons is sort of similar to this. This says, lay down, starting with your toes, squeeze and release each body part, going all the way up your body to your neck. That's a great idea. Uh, the, the, the one that I taught in my course is called FYB, which stands for feel your body. And it's just laying down and sort of getting into a good mindful space and then going body part by body part, really feeling each part of your body. And I lead you through that in, in the course. So Definitely a good exercise, one that I recommend. Either one, the way that I do it, or that one, been you know, it definitely great. I definitely uh, agree with that. It's it's a wonderful idea. So today's good egg is inspired by the fact that, as most of you know, my wife and I are moving here pretty soon. I am trying to bank as many interviews to see that I can do as much as I can to make sure this podcast is not interrupted by the move. That being said. If all of a sudden on a Friday you download the episode and it's like a special episode or something, that's why is that the move interrupted it. But anyway, I'm doing my best. And we are finding a lot of things where we're like, we don't need this. You know, we've got all this stuff. Uh, we don't need to bring it with us to Philadelphia. A lot of clothes. And with the way things have been, you know, the unemployment rate is higher than it has been in a couple of years. Obviously, we're seeing these storms that are just destroying people's lives. We feel good about donating a lot of the stuff that we don't need. So that is your good egg for this week. In honor of the fact that a lot of people's lives have been disrupted by the last year, by the last couple of weeks, go through some of your stuff and donate. Whether it is you know clothes, whether it's household items, whatever it is that you truly do not need, sort of remember how privileged we are to be living in these homes, to be comfortable to be safe and then think about all these other people who are not that and and do something about it now obviously money is important too 
uh, that's a different week. <laughs> this tip is just to go through and donate some of your items. So please do that. And, and, and above all else, as always, remember to be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle.